Well, good morning, church. Welcome. Uh, uh, for some of you, this is not unusual at all. You're used to uh, uh, participating online. We've been using uh, our uh, live stream now for several months, and many of you have been used to uh, tuning in. Maybe you're in a different part of the country or a different part of the world, or maybe you're a part of the Grace Fellowship family right here at home, but when you are not able to be here on Sunday mornings, you're used to tuning in. But for a whole bunch of you, this is the first time you've even uh, tried to look into one of our online live streams. So welcome to you all. Uh, it is weird. I know some of you are sitting there in your pajamas, and that's kind of freaking me out a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and pretend like I'm not thinking about that. Um, we don't know how long it's going to be necessary for us to uh, meet in this way, but we need to remember one thing. We don't come to church. We are the church. It's so important for us to remember that because the church is just as much the church when we're scattered as when we're gathered. And because of the needs of our community, it's, it's the servanthood thing to do right now for us to not gather in large groups. It wasn't an easy decision for us or for so many other churches that had to decide to cancel their main gatherings, but instead to worship online. But really, it didn't take long to make the decision once the authorities began to tell us that we needed to not gather in large groups. And the reason is not because we're necessarily afraid that one of us has the virus or somebody might come with the virus, although we have no idea about that. The larger issue is we get to serve our community in this way. Yes, we're giving something up. Yes, we're missing something. And it's difficult for us to not be able to gather together as a church family. But the society at large needs us to do this. And so we're doing it as a way to serve them. Uh, and uh, it's so important for us to remember we are the church whether we're together or not. So we're going to be talking about ways for us to be together even when we're not in the same room. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But for now, I want to invite you to grab a Bible, and I want you to open to Mark chapter 4. Now, Mark is the New Testament, second book of the New Testament, Matthew, then Mark. Go to Mark chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I just wanted to tell you guys about a trip I made yesterday uh, to the grocery store. Have any of you done this? This is a very exciting adventure. Used to be that you could go like ride a roller coaster or, you know, maybe take a walk at night in a bad part of town for, to get your uh, blood pumping. But uh, now all you have to do is go to Ralph's or Albertson's or something like that. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, we needed a couple of things. And uh, my wife said, if they've got water, pick up water. And so I went into Smart and Final. And sure enough, uh, Smart and Final actually had some water yesterday. There was maybe 10 or 20 cases left. Everybody was leaving with water. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll grab a case of water because we're out of it at home. And uh, there was about 20 to 40 people in every line. And all the check stands were open and everybody had water. And I found water. So I said, all right, I'm on it. I'm going to grab a case of water. I'm going to be a hero in my family. And uh, there was no shopping carts. There was nowhere you could find a shopping cart. And so you had to fight through a crowd looking for a shopping cart. I went out into the parking lot, looked for shopping carts throughout the parking lot. There was no shopping carts out there. And I was not going to stand behind 30 people in line with a case of water in my hand. So I just left without water. That's kind of how it is. I went to another store that same morning um, to, because I needed to still get something. 
and uh, I had one item. I bought some soap because washing your hands is so essential during this time, was buying some soap. And uh, here I am with just a little bit of soap, and I'm getting in line behind all of these people with just overflowing carts. There was this great guy, and he came and got me. He goes, you come in, in front of me because, uh, you know, I don't want you to have to wait. And so I started up a conversation with this guy, and it was a crack up. He was about my age, maybe a little bit older. He goes, I wasn't worrying about this. We weren't getting any groceries or anything until they closed the schools. And then my kids called and said, you're going to have the grandkids all week. And I went, oh, no, we don't have any food. So I came to the store, and he, is, he had this cart overflowing. And he goes, I don't even know why I bought any of this stuff. I don't even know if the kids like this. It's got milk that's probably going to go bad. And we were laughing in line because he was just in a general panic mode because what if we can't get this in a week or something like that? And, and that is what's kind of spreading for our society today. And a lot of people are struggling. Some people are scared. Uh, not knowing, you know, that the truth is whatever you might think or whoever you might be listening to, you don't know for sure how this is going to go. This is unprecedented for us. And so this is different, and some people are scared, some people are angry, a lot of people are just generally frustrated. I've talked to numerous people who are just feeling anxious. People are looking for somebody to blame, and uh, it's just a really tough situation because none of us saw this coming. But I want to remind you of something. Life is full of events that we never saw coming. This happens all the time. It happens on small scale and a larger scale. I mean, it was uh, September 11th, 2001, our, our world was shaken, and all of us wondered what would become of us, and how would this be okay, and here we are today, and that seems like a distant memory to many of us. Um, there have been financial crashes in the past. Uh, you know, you take off for work, and you get in a traffic accident on the way to work. Nobody expected it, nobody saw it coming, but it can change everything. People lose jobs, stock markets crash, there are financial crises. Every day brings something new. I was um, thinking about one of my favorite philosophers the other day, Forrest Gump, and he said, life's like a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you're going to get. And he's right. We all know that, but we're still surprised. And, and we tend to be surprised when we enter a stormy season in life. Jesus' disciples were certainly surprised in Mark chapter 4 when the day that they had planned did not work out the way they thought it was going to. Let's read together Mark chapter 4. Hopefully you've got a Bible with you there at home. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to just begin in verse 35. Here's what it says. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much so that the boat was already being filled up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing?' It's a familiar story. I'm sure most of you have heard it before. But the disciples of Jesus were going through it for the first time. This was not a familiar story to them. They had not heard it before. In fact, here's what they had heard. They had heard Jesus say, we're going over to the other side. They had heard from Jesus what his plan was for the day. 
And when they set out, they fully expected they were going over to the other side. They did not expect this storm that was about to pop up. I want you to notice a couple of things about this. The first is, they did think they were going to the other side. And, and they had heard it from God himself. In other words, Jesus had a plan to go to the other side. And, and they were right in the middle of that plan. They were on their way to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's pedal out to the middle so that when the storm comes up, the water will be deep and we can all drown. That is not what he said. He said, we're going to the other side. So keep that in mind as you think about this story. Second thing I want you to notice is that these disciples were right in the middle of God's will when this storm happened in their lives. They were right in the middle of God's will. They were doing exactly what they had been told to do. It, and sometimes when storms come in life, we think, oh my goodness, you know, what did I do? I must have done something wrong. Or sometimes uh, storms do come up because we are out of God's will and we are creating our own problems with our sin. These guys were not sinning. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do and still this terrible life-threatening storm came up. Another thing I want you to notice is this. They were with Jesus. Jesus was with them. This is not one of those situations we look at where sometimes in life, you know, I've drifted away from the Lord and because I'm away from the Lord, I'm running into all these problems. No, they were right there with Jesus. He couldn't have been any closer to them. He was going through this with them. And one last thing, even though all that stuff was true, they still found themselves in the midst of a terrible, terrifying, life-threatening storm. They didn't know how it was going to come out. They just knew they were in danger. And, and as we go through this storm as a society, I've started to hear the old familiar voices that seem to think that every time something bad happens, it's a punishment from God. See, this is God raining fire and brimstone down on the world because of all of our sin. And we hear voices like that saying, God's mad at us, God's after us, that's why God's doing this. And then there's the other side of the spectrum where there are people who are saying, oh no, this just proves that God doesn't exist because if God existed, he wouldn't let this happen. Or if God was powerful, he wouldn't let this happen. Or if God was good, he wouldn't let this happen. But I want to just give a corrective word to all that. Because here's the thing. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. And we're used to this. Because of sin, because of the curse, because of the brokenness of this world, there is things like sickness, disease, death, uh, broken relationships, crime, abuse. All of these things are happening as a part of living in a broken world. People get sick. Stock markets crash. People lose their jobs. People die unexpectedly. That's what happens in a broken world. And that's just reality in a world that's plagued by sin. These disciples were right in the middle of God's will for their lives. They were close to Jesus. They were doing exactly what the Lord had told them to do. And they left the shore expecting to arrive where they were destined to go. But in a broken world, things don't always work out according to the plan. So they get out in the middle of the lake. The wind starts blowing the waves start breaking. The waves then begin to break over the boat. The boat, the boat starts filling up with waters. And the disciples start panicking. 
That's what they did. They're panicking. They bail as fast as they can. They, they cry out to Jesus, don't you uh, care? Don't you know what's going on? The wind and the waves are, are, are deafening. These guys are ready to start hoarding bottled water and toilet paper at this point. That's where they're at. And I want you to notice one more thing. In the midst of this storm, Jesus was not panicking. In fact, he's asleep. He's sleeping through it. I mean, there are literally waves breaking over the boat, and he's sleeping through it. There's the sound of the wind whipping through the boat, and he's sleeping through it. There are shouts and screams as people are trying to get this thing fixed, and, and he is sleeping through it. Jesus was at perfect peace, even though the storm was going crazy. You see, the storm that was such a scary surprise to the rest of them was not scary to Jesus, and it wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Listen, when we're surprised by unexpected storms, we have to be wise and practical and thoughtful. They had to take down the sail. They had to start bailing water. They had to start organizing themselves to keep the boat from sinking. We have to wash our hands more. We have to carry hand sanitizer. We have to avoid large group gatherings. That's just practical. That's just wisdom. That's just good stewardship. It's just the right thing to do. But if you're a child of God, there's never a time to panic. If you're a child of God and the Holy Spirit lives within you, the peace of God is with you. Peace is fruit of the Holy Spirit. So there's no reason to panic. Don't forget who is with you in the boat. I know some of you are going, man, uh, my kids are off school and I still have to go to work and I have no idea what to do. I understand. Don't panic. Jesus is with you in the boat. I know that some of you have started to develop a cough and you're like, oh my goodness, is it a cold or is it something worse? I understand. Don't panic. Jesus is with you in the boat. I know that a whole bunch of us have lost a whole bunch of money in the stock market in the last week. Don't panic. Jesus is with you in the boat, and he's not panicking. Look at verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down. And it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Can you picture the scene? It is loud. It is windy. People are being thrown around. People are yelling. People are afraid for their life. Everyone is bailing as fast as they can, and Jesus is sleeping. So what do the disciples do? They go and wake him up. They cry out to him. They say, hey, wake up. Don't you care that we're sleeping? Isn't, I mean, don't you care that we're perishing? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that what we tend to do sometimes with God? We see things happening in our lives that are beyond our control, that are hurting us or scaring us, and we go, God must not care. He cares. They wake him up. Don't you care? He's not panicking. And the fact that he's not panicking doesn't mean that he's not paying attention. 
And just because he's delivered, he hasn't delivered you yet doesn't mean that he's forgotten all about you. Jesus sits up, he looks at the chaos, he sees the wind and the waves, and he says one word, hush. Hush. And instantly, everything is under control. It said, an interesting, it, it, everything became calm. Everything, the wind, the waves, the sea became like glass, the people in the boats became calm, everybody became calm, everything became calm. Instantly, everything was under control. You know why? Because everything was under God's control already. And they're all astonished. They knew that Jesus was someone special. They knew that he was a prophet. They knew he was a healer. And they knew he was a teacher and a rabbi and all that. But this is where they first start to realize, this is God himself. He has power even over nature. Guys, today we find ourselves in an unexpected crisis. We didn't see this coming. It's out of our control. We're not sure if it's going to be okay or not or when. But let me remind you of something. Jesus created the universe. He calmed the storm with a word. And it may feel like he's not paying attention right now, but he is. And he'll never leave us or forsake us. I don't know how long this wind is going to blow. And I don't know how high the waves are going to get. But this isn't just a crisis. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for people to see just how awesome Jesus really is. So don't forget, it wasn't just the 12 who were in the storm that day. It was the 12 with Jesus and a bunch of other boats that went with them. We never talk about those other boats, but all of them got to see what the disciples got to see that day because the storm became still for them too. They were watching. They were watching those who were with Jesus. They were watching those who were close to Jesus so they could see what Jesus would do. And when Jesus calmed the storm, they saw it and their lives were never the same because of it. This crisis is an opportunity for people to see the glory of Jesus. Let's not forget that. God wants to use us to reflect his glory. And I want us to think through what that's going to look like practically. Because as I've said, this is uncharted territory for us. We're doing this for the first time. And we need to give some prayerful thought to what does it look like for Christians to respond biblically and practically in a situation like this. And so I thought it would be great today, instead of me just preaching at you, if we have some conversation about that. And so I've asked a couple of people to come and sort of join me today and talk through this with us. And so I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Ricky to come along with uh, Mim Coombs-Ellison. Both of them uh, are godly people who I respect. And they have some perspective that might be very useful to us in this. Uh, you all know Pastor Ricky. I think most of you probably know Mim as well. Uh, but what you may or may not know about Mim is that uh, she is a medical professional. She is uh, a school nurse who uh, helps to direct the school nursing program in a, in a large school district. And so she's been paying attention to what's going on with the schools and how they're th working through this, as well as what's going on medically, and, and she can give us some insight on that. And then uh, Pastor Ricky is just a guy who's always looking for a chance to be on camera, so he begged me to let him be a part of this. So. My favorite. <laughs> 
So um, let's just kind of jump in and discuss this, you guys. Um, Ricky, uh, I was thinking about this this week. Jesus said that as his church, we are the light of the world. We've been really emphasizing that issue in our study of James. So if we're going to think practically, how, how can we practically see this as an opportunity to be a light of the world? What are some of the thoughts you have about how we can practically live in this time in order to be light? Well, as, uh, as I've been thinking about that this week, the, the thing that comes to mind is Joshua, because there was a time when, when Moses passed away, and God called Joshua to pick up uh, the mantle of Moses and, and lead the children of Israel um, while they were in the desert. And at that time, they were freaking out, and God reminded them, I've commanded you not to fear because I'm in control. And so I think um, we can kind of be like Joshua in a way to where people are freaking out. They don't know what to do. And Joshua was able to step up and say, follow me. God's got this. He's leading us. And um, so that's not a practical way, but that's kind of a spiritual way we can look at it. God is in control. And how much more hope do we have than even the children of Israel because we have uh, the hope of Jesus and our, our identity and our, our life is in him. So um, in light of that and what we know, the truth that we have in Jesus, I think there are practical things we can do. Like, first of all, not freaking out like you were just talking about. Um, to remain level-headed. And to, uh, while we're all kind of locked away, I know a lot of people are home from work, home from school. Uh, we're not meeting in, in grace groups or Bible studies or even here this morning. Um, but technology is amazing. Like we have a bunch of people right now with us getting this message. And so once this is over this morning, we can share this with friends. We can reach out. We can text. We can call. And we can still get together in small groups with family. And, uh, you know, I, I saw someone post this week that um, parks are not closed. Outside is not closed. Um, spending time with family is not closed. Like, there's so many opportunities we have to reach out to our family and in our local communities with our local friend groups and, and whatnot. Yeah, and we have opportunities to serve others during this time. If we realize and there are people out there who are dealing with this, and, and maybe, uh, you know, for instance, um, seniors are the ones that are most susceptible to the illness, and, and there's a lot of seniors now who are like, I really need to stay home, uh, or, or just going, how do I go fight the crowd at the, at the grocery store, something like that. We can be serving in that way. We could be stepping up, and this is so cool, church, God bless you. We've already heard from uh, three or four people who have said to us, listen, if there's any seniors who need somebody to get groceries, if there's any seniors that need a ride or something like that during this time, you just let us know. And so this is just a call out to you to say, hey, whether you're a senior or not, if you're in need of something, hey, the church is here to help. And so just let us know, and we'll see what we can do to try to get somebody to help you. But maybe your next-door neighbor needs his lawn mode. Maybe, maybe there's just somebody that you can serve that you wouldn't otherwise be serving at a I time think like this. A, a way to put that too is it, it, we're so um, susceptible to being selfish and just self-centered. And so through this time, just be constantly looking for opportunities as you're driving through your neighborhood to go stand in line at the grocery store. Um, and you know, you, you drive by that house where you know a little old lady lives and she never gets out hey, pull over, knock on her door, say, is there anything I can get you while I'm at the market? That kind of stuff, just constantly being aware of, of others yeah. um, through this time. And even phone calls. There's, there, you know, again, another thing, there are a lot of seniors who are at home or now 
a lot of us are at home, uh, you know, just a phone call makes a huge difference. And so just picking up the phone and calling somebody, yeah, you might even need to call them and not just text them to actually talk with somebody. But text them first to make sure yeah, you can call Yeah, hey, I'm about to call right. is now a good time. You're welcome, you introverts. <laughs> but, you know, just that kind of an approach that says we're looking out for people. We're going to have to make an effort to stay connected at a time like this. Well, and I really liked what you said, Ricky, about outside is open and outside is available and outside is relatively safe. So, you know, it's, it's part of our emotional health too, to be able to just be outside and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So even though it's raining, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's going to rain, but yeah. it's a good thing for us. <laughs> there should be a rush on umbrellas <laughs> as well as toilet paper, right? Um, yeah. So there's, we are going to have to make an effort to stay connected with people. We are going to need to make an effort to stay connected as a church family while we're not seeing each other at meetings all week, and we're going to need to make an effort to just stay connected with people. But remember, this is the big theme theme I want you to come away with today. We're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. In a lot of people's worlds, things just got darker, and so the light of Christ should shine through His church. So we have got to put on the, the heart of a servant figure out how we can get involved in helping people. Uh, Mim, this is a good transition to this because one of the things I've always been blessed by about you in our friendship is I see you reaching out to people with the gospel. You actually meet people and love on people and try to share the gospel with them. So uh, as we think about this time where people are not gathering in big crowds can you give us any insight about just sharing the gospel? How, how can we be sharing Christ with people even in a time like this? Well, I think that it is important for us to be doing that on a regular basis. This doesn't change that. So I think that that's one thing that we all have to remember, that um, it goes on. Um, but like you said, people are terrified and helping them to understand that God is a rock and just bringing conversations around to spiritual things Mm -hmm. is really important Um, because, you know, they're happy to talk about trivial things and now the virus, but bringing the conversation around to the things that matter. And why am I not upset? Why am I not terrified? Why am I not afraid? It doesn't mean we're not cautious. It doesn't mean we don't care but helping them understand and get to the point where, you know, you can have that too. And that's what God wants for each one of us. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the things that, that Bo and I try to do is be very intentional. Um, sometimes there's spontaneity, but I think the intentionality should be there. It should always be our intention so, to do that. So intentionally, what, what, what does that look like? Are you saying... We need to still be getting together with people in smaller groups. Absolutely. Do we need to be meeting strangers? Like, what do you mean by Absolutely. intentionality? Absolutely. In fact, um, just as a little side, uh, side because this is what I do, um, it doesn't mean we cannot meet together. It doesn't mean that, that even um, not just as the church, but within communities. We are a community, and the early church met in households, and mm-hmm. the early church had plagues, and the, the early stream. church... And they live streamed, right? Yeah. They did. Absolutely. Yeah. Very big in Antioch. And then technology got lost somewhere. But um, 
I think we can't replicate some of those things if we're not in community. And yes, we should do distancing, but it doesn't, it's not the same as social isolation. Uh, and at this time, um, when we have a society that's so lonely anyway, for us to be reaching out and for us to be sharing that is just gonna go 10 times farther. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you hit a, a good point too, and that is people will notice then they'll say, why are you not afraid? And that's a good opportunity. And so we, should, we just need to be constantly aware of um, that we need to be Christ-like. And, and sometimes a better way to put that is we need to not be not Christ-like. Um, we need to not be belittling the people that are, are really scared about this. We not, need to not be just constantly posting, hey, this is ridiculous, and sharing memes. I think a couple weeks ago it was funny to laugh at these memes, but now Italy is like looking at us and laughing, saying, hey, we didn't take this seriously, and now you guys need to. So just being aware that people are afraid, and we have hope, and we can do the practical things like social distancing and whatnot, and also be the light of the world and say, hey, I'm not afraid because I have hope in Jesus, and he's in control. And, it, and it's fine to gather with small groups, two, three, four people that you invite over to your up home to or something. Actually, up to 20. I mean, that's kind of where... Uh, I mean, I think technically it's more than that, but I think for most people, that's where their comfort level is going to be. And the problem with that, too, is that in a home in the average living room, you can't maintain social distancing with, you know, 20 people in your living room. So, so figuring out how that looks for us, don't think this means isolation. I love that you said social distancing is not social isolation. It doesn't need to be isolation. You know, when people come to your home, invite them to your home. Have someone over for dinner. Have them wash their hands when they walk in. You know, that's not rude. That is no longer rude. It is no longer rude to not shake hands with people. It's no longer rude not to hug somebody that you normally hug. Like, like everybody gets it, I hope now, or is starting to get it. So it's fine. You know, let's wash our hands, but let's be together with people when we can. We have so many introverts in our society today, especially millennials. This is like their utopia. Yeah, they're loving this. <laughs> they're just... <laughs> People said it was a political wow. thing. I think it was introverts that caused this whole thing. Um, so I don't want to really turn this into like a medical discussion too much because there's information out there from experts. And I think one of the problems is that a lot of us are just listening to rumors and talk and what my friend said or what I saw online in terms of what we should do medically and what this is all about. But from uh, from the stand that standpoint as a nurse, what are some of the practical things that we should be doing in terms of just being wise in a time like this? Well, I'll just tell you what we have done differently in our family. Um, and one of them is exactly what you said. Everybody who comes in, you wash your hands. You walk in the door, you wash your hands. That's a given. Um, we are wiping down all common knobs and drawers and all of that kind of thing, surfaces. Um, especially the ones from the outside, um, very, very diligently. Does it matter um, what you wipe it down with? Um, it does matter, um, but the most important thing, even if you're using like a wipey, uh -huh. um, it's going to be better than not wiping it down. We The, the bacterial sidles um, are not going to be the same as the... Um, as the antivirals or the 
um, the ones that are for funguses. But basically, you, any wipe that's available is going to be better than no wipe at all. Okay. I've, I've heard that uh, the more alcohol content, the better, right? And we, we are now you know, at the point where, as everybody knows, there isn't any hand sanitizer available. So um, you can make your own hand sanitizer. You can go online. It's a very simple recipe. It's all of two ingredients um, and a third if you want fragrance. But the difficulty <coughs> is that you need to have the 99% alcohol because with the dilution factor, it has to be at least 60% when you're done. We're not talking tequila. We're <coughs> not talking tequila. Okay. <laughs> 99%. <laughs> You'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the tough part, it is finding That's getting that. harder to find. But yes. a lot of us have that in our house right now and because uh, we've had it from before. No. That's Probably not just regular ice Rubbing purple. alcohol is not No, the it's same. 70%. Gotcha. Ah, so, so and it, so it, it wouldn't even be, be good to not e don't even bother no. with that. Be, and, that's the, and that gives you a false sense of security because if you use that and it's 70%, then your dilution All factor right, brings it down lower. So just pour that on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You could just pour that on your hands. And, and pay attention to health professionals. I, and I know people have all kinds of ideas about how honest the government is being with us and all that kind of stuff. But listen, the Centers for Disease Control, the, um, the County Health Department, I mean, their, their websites are putting out stuff all the time. And that's really our best source of information at this point. You know, some, some extreme website that has an agenda is not the place to be getting your information about this kind of stuff. Um, okay. Uh, one of the major uh, impacts of this whole situation for us, especially, is how it affects the life of the church. So now that we've uh, had to cancel meetings and um, we're going to have to really get creative in terms of how we stay connected with one another because we're the church and part of it what it is to be the church is we're supposed to be in fellowship with one another and 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 it's insane for us to take weeks and months off of fellowship that's not an option so praise god we live in an age of technology where we have various options that we would have never had before i mean this is so cool we're live streaming this service right now like like Six months ago, we didn't even live stream as a church. So praise God of his providence in getting us set up to do this. And churches everywhere are hustling to buy cameras and figure out what they could do at this point. But um, we live in an age where we can connect even without being in the same room. So, you know, Ricky, you're kind of uh, up on a lot of the technology stuff and what we're doing as a church for that. Uh, what do we need to make people aware of in terms of how we can stay connected? Yeah, so there's there's several things. First of all, um, we're encouraging, if you're in a grace group, we're encouraging your grace group leaders to reach out to you um, to stay connected. I know that I'm, I'm a grace group leader, and in our group we have an app that we use called GroupMe, and so we're just constantly um, sharing prayer requests, and, you know, we don't even have to wait until, uh, without this going on, during the week, in a regular week, we'll get prayer requests throughout the week, like, hey, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, and we'll just constantly be praying for each other, encouraging one another, sharing life events. Um, and so that's a, a good way. If you have questions about that, you can reach out to me, and I'll help you get set up. But um, you, you're, you're right. We can't just not fellowship. We're created for fellowship. And so that's one way. Like we said, small groups, uh, meeting in homes, um, just with people that you trust and you know and, and just doing your diligence to, to stay um, 
you know, hygienic and whatnot. But so in terms of what we're doing technologically is uh, we've, tra- we've changed our entire homepage on our website. So if you go to gracedwardy.com, um, we have some resources on there. Uh, for example, on Sunday mornings, we write on cards and share prayer requests with each other, and, and those go out in an email to, uh, to several people in the church, to most of the church. And so we've put a link right on our homepage where you can share praise reports and prayer requests. Um, that's one way we can stay up to date with each other. Um, so click on that link click on if that you want to share. What if you want to see what's been shared? If you want to see what's been shared... Um, you can fill that out as well. Click on the same link, and you can share a prayer request and then mention on there, hey, I'd like to be added to this prayer list, and we'll put your email on that list. Um, and you can unsubscribe at any time, so we're doing all of the proper stuff there. Um, another couple of resources that we have is we have a, a, a private, or I should say closed, rather, Facebook group on Facebook. And what this is is if you have a Facebook account, you can ask to join this group and if you're connected to Grace Fellowship in some way or another, um, we will accept you. The, you have to answer a question, that is, have you ever been to Grace Fellowship? And even if you haven't, and maybe you're watching this for the first time, and you want to join us at some point, you can join that group. And this is kind of how we do our, our housekeeping announcements. Um, and it's also a great community because every we'll have everything from, hey, I have this refrigerator I'm getting rid of. Does anybody need it? Or, hey, um, I've got extra toilet paper. Who needs some? Um, <laughs> or hey, That's I need some popular. toilet paper. We're gonna Can someone get, bring it to exactly, my bathroom. Right exactly. Now? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get 10 million requests on that page now. Um, but there's a link to that right on our homepage. There's also a link to a super valuable resource that we have at Grace Fellowship that we don't talk a lot about, and that's a program called Right Now Media. Um, and Right Now Media, to to put it simply, is kind of like the Netflix for Bible study and um, Christian-minded videos. And so uh, for kids, this is a huge resource. If you, right on our homepage, you can go on there and sign up. We pay for this. The church pays for this. And if you go and you sign up, it is free to you. And you can put your email address in. You'll get a link to to sign up and all that. But here's what it is. There's apps for every kind of smart TV out there, um, like Roku and and all those. And then Or your phone or your iPad. Or your phone, your iPad. You can go straight on the computer and log in. Um, and so it works a lot like Netflix in that way. And there is tons of resources on there. Um, currently, our kids' ministry was right in the middle of studying the or learning about the fruits of the Spirit. And so what we've done is when you, when you log on to Right Now Media, on the left-hand side where all the libraries are, there's one that says Grace Fellowship. And we've put an entire kids' series in there for the fruits of the Spirit. So your kids can continue to not only uh, get refreshed on the ones they've learned about, but they can learn about new ones in the, in the coming weeks as we're not gathering together. And then for adults, there's everything from marriage studies to um, just about everything. There's an entire series on other religions and books of the Bible and all kinds of stuff. There's even kids' programs on there that I grew up watching, which has Every been super fun. Every Christian kids' program that exists is I, basically I you, on yeah, Right Now Media. Pretty much that's correct. Um, and so check that out. That's a huge resource, especially as you're going to be tempted as your home to just turn on Netflix and binge, and the sun will rise and set, and you'll still be there, and you're just be zoned out. Don't do that. Uh, like you said, get outside, but also close Netflix and, and start on Right Now Media. I think you'll really find it uh, useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just keep an eye on our webpage because we're going to be 
that's going to be our central hub for this. It's right on the homepage. You don't even have to f look around and find it on the site. Um, but anything that pertains to right now in this season will be on the homepage. <laughs> I'm even thinking, I've had several people reach out to me as well and say, hey, if you hear of anybody in need, an elderly person, someone who doesn't have access to something, I've even had people say that even if they can't afford to go get resources or groceries or, or toilet paper or whatever, uh, let us know. And so um, I think maybe we'll put a link on our website where if you have a need, you can just go on there, let us know, and we'll do our best to, to get that to the right person to help you with that. And the Facebook family page works exactly, for that, too. That works as well. Um, yeah. I, I believe that's going to be an opportunity for us to be the church, too. I think that the world, in a lot of ways, is going to be looking to how the church handles this. Absolutely. We have a huge opportunity. Um, one of my favorite uh, quotes was St. Francis of Assisi, who says, Preach Christ always and use words when necessary. You can drop groceries off at somebody's house and show them the love of Christ in this time. So we want to do what we can technologically to uh, help that happen, to, to make that work for everybody. Um, the, I was thinking, too, the website, yeah. you know, giving is going to become a, a bit of a clunky thing for us around here right now. Thankfully, again, we're a little ahead of the curve because we already have ways to do text to give, online giving, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a, sp a space right on the website that's just like to give, click here. Very simple. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is sit and talk about money. Our view of this has always been that giving is worship. We give because God has called us to give, and that's how God finances all this ministry that we're talking about doing to be light of the world. So please don't be a person who thinks, well, I don't even think about giving except when I come to church. We have, to, we have to begin to think differently about that, but we're making it as easy as we possibly can to make that happen. And then what about the Church Center app? How can that be useful to us? Um, with the Church Center app, we, we primarily use it for, um, for giving, so it's very easy to give. If you're already in our system especially, you can log in, give right there, and uh, then there are, we use it for events, and, and right now most of our events are, are canceled, and so... Um, it's a good thing to keep in mind, and once we get back up, all of our new events will be back up on there, and you'll be able to register for them and whatnot. But for the most part, um, it's a great resource to be able to give. And we mentioned earlier during the, the transition here that um, we have four ways to give, and those are you can go online, and right at the top of the webpage, there's a link that says give. Um, you can text an amount to 84321. Uh, and then you'll get a text back to set that up if you so, haven't already done so that. So what is that? Let's say I want to give $100. Yep. What does my text actually say? You put a dollar sign, 100, and you send it to 84321. And that's as simple as that? That's it. It's simple. Because the, the first time it'll have you give your yeah, information. So if, you've, if you've already had this set up, or even if you just give online already um, through our system, then that'll just go through and you, it'll give you a response saying that, that it worked. And then um, it will, if you've never given before, you'll get a link, and you just click on that link. You can input your payment information and whatnot. And so those are two of the ways. Another way is through the Church Center app. And then uh, finally, if you don't want to mess with any of that, you could simply write a check and drop it in the mail um, and send, send it to, it to us. the church. Yeah, send it to the church. The, the church address, address by the way, 1551 East Huntington Drive, Duarte, California, 91010. That's on our website, too. That is on our website, too. Um, and then last thing I would say, too, is pay attention to social media. So uh, 
you know, we're, we're very good as a church about getting stuff out on social media. We're going to be really take, making use of those resources. Instagram, Twitter, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, we're going to be using those things in order to make sure that we're getting information out. So be paying attention to those things. So there's a lot of ways. And you know what else? Hey, there's this new thing. I just read about this. It's called a telephone. You could call someone or you could actually sit down and you could write a card and, and put a stamp. They have a stamp, an envelope thing. You address it. No has stamps anymore. No. <laughs> but like, how great is it, especially nowadays when you go to the mailbox and you get something from someone, not just a bill or an advertisement. That's a great way for us. You know, those of you who are card writers, write cards, make phone calls. Let's just, we just have to work way harder to stay in touch than we have before. And what we're trying to do is take the hard work out of it and make it just something that we have to be mindful of. Yeah. I just want to say real quick, uh, back to giving. That is just because we have, I think we have a lot of people online today that don't usually, aren't a part of our worship services. And um, I know that a lot of people are going to be out of work. And so uh, I just want to let you know, Doug and I, as the pastors here, we don't even see who gives what. We don't touch money here. Um, we have a treasurer that does that, and so I realize that there. I just want to make reiterate what you were saying. There's no pressure to give, but we believe that giving is worship, and so that's why we're pushing this and giving. We want to make sure our people, our regulars, have an opportunity to worship in that way. Yeah. Um, let me just segue one more time because a lot of people are going to find themselves with time on their hands. A lot of us now are staying home instead of going to work. A lot of kids are home, going to be home from school. For however long, we don't know. So it's a whole new thing where people have time on their hands. In a society that is as busy as any society has ever been, we're going to find ourselves with some time on our hands. I love what you said about, listen, hey, if you want to watch a, sh a show on Netflix, God bless you. But don't become a couch potato. Don't just binge television or, or play video games the whole time, or just stare at your phone and do stuff online all the time. There's a lot of things we can be doing. Time is a stewardship. God's giving you some extra time right now for many of us. So time's a stewardship. Don't waste it. Uh, think about this, family time. You're home with your family. Look, you know, families can get on each other's nerves. We're not used to all being together all the time. Hey, be praying about that. Parents, be proactive about this. Let's, let's uh, you know, have a fa some family game time or, or maybe uh, watch one of the a series on uh, Right Now Media together um, or, you know, um, have family devotionals. Um, read. Oh, my goodness. Did you know there are still people who read? You can actually read. Um, and it's a great thing. I do this with my grandkids using FaceTime. I read them. I read to them from books every Sunday when we meet online. It's a great thing to do. So, you know, volunteer your time, write cards and letters, serve your neighbors, pray. All of us, oh, I don't have time to pray. Yes, you do. Now's a great time to pray and stay connected. Here's the bottom line. We are the light of the world. That's the thing we have to remember. We've been talking about this in the book of James for the last eight weeks. This crisis is not just a crisis, it's an opportunity. And just as a storm opened people's eyes to see who Jesus was in Mark chapter 4, this storm can serve the same purpose. He wants to use you 
to help people see Jesus. There is no question whether God is with us. He is. There's no doubt that God is good and God is loving and God is powerful. And there's no way that God is going to waste this amazing opportunity that has come disguised as a crisis. The only thing that's not yet clear is to what degree we're going to participate with him, to what degree we're going to cooperate with him. See, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, said this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. This opportunity exists for us, church. We're to be the light of the world. And just because you're going to be staying home more should not mean that your light is being put under a bushel. We've got to look for ways to set the light on a lampstand. And the point of it all is that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. That's the opportunity that sits before us right now. We're the church, gathered or separated, and we are the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, as we think about the truth of your goodness, your faithfulness, your power, all the ways that you're working, even in the midst of this crisis, God, we want to thank you that this crisis represents an opportunity. And we want to pray that as your church, as your children, as your people, that we would cling to you in such a way that when people see us, they would see you. God, we pray uh, for our leaders, both on a government level, in the churches, uh, throughout society, in households. Give wisdom to leaders like we've never seen before. I pray, Father, that our governmental leaders would work together for the good of the people and not, be, uh, not give in to the temptation for partisan politics at a time like this. I pray, God, for those of us who are uh, out and about in the community, still going to work and, uh, and, and connecting with people, I pray you would help us to uh, make those connections valuable and useful. Give us your eyes that we would see people the way you see people. Give us your heart that we would care for them the way that you do. And Father, help us to be your hands so that we would touch lives in the way that you would touch them. God, this nation, this world, all people are dependent upon you for our safety at all times, whether it's a new virus, whether it's <clears throat> the dangers of war, whether it's just the sinfulness of mankind and just the chaos of a broken world. We're dependent upon you at all times, Lord, and we recognize this. We confess that we need you. We've always needed you, but we're feeling it a little more right now. And so meet us where we are. God, put your arms around us and comfort us. For we are your church and we long to be the light of the world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I can't deny